Wonderful to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. I was amazed at the choice of the song to come uh, to the pulpit because uh, I was looking for actually a song with these exact words. Uh, You know, open my eyes, let me see, uh, open my ears, you know, those words. And I had forgotten about this song, but the Lord had Brother Nathan to to sing it. Amen. Amen. The Lord's in control. And uh, just so happy uh, that the Lord is in control. Amen. Brother Jerry appreciated that testimony. And uh, there he is there. And uh, uh, so glad that the Lord is in control. All we have to do, you know, God speaks, but he has to open our ears to hear it. God is speaking in this hour, but not everybody is hearing. God is doing great things in this day, but not everybody sees it. But that's why Jesus said to the disciples, Blessed are your eyes, for they see these things. Blessed are your ears, for they hear these things. And we can say, Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're happy. Amen, Amen, Brother Milko. We're happy. Because God's doing something and we're seeing it. And we're seeing it uh, shared with you on Wednesday night of Uganda. We want to remember them. Uh, the brothers have been in contact with me since, you, since Wednesday night and said the persecution is already arising uh, where the, the, the believers which have left their churches to walk in the light of the hour have begun to gather. Already there's been vandalism and things to try and disrupt the meetings. But God's in control. Amen. And uh, uh, I will say that we, the shortfall that we had on the budget for building that one church, uh, the Lord had already laid it on someone's heart by a dream, I think it was the night before, Tuesday night, that he would have to help in building a church, not knowing that there would be a $900 shortfall. And he came to me after the service and said, Brother Tim, God's already told me I need to help you. And so the, the budget's already covered. We praise God for that. And uh, the Lord has it all in control. He, he directs one. He directs another. You know, it's His body. As you'll see this morning in the ministry of the Word, it's His body. And uh, I want to just make a couple of comments. I, I won't say much about China. I think John will update us tonight on what's happening with the young people in China. And uh, we look forward to that. Uh, regarding the Turkey uh, trip... Uh, the trip to the country of Turkey, the seven church-age cities. Um, Tuesday is the final date or is the date to be committed by uh, and the first payment due. So you need to uh, contact or phone the office or bring in the brochures, um, which I didn't get any. Brother Mark, are there more out there? 
There's more out there now, okay, outside the office out there. And there's a sign-up sheet there, the, the double-size church-age book in a binder that Brother Mark had shown you that's a, that he's put together to be available for study. Uh, that had a very great response, but we failed to tell you how to get one. So uh, if you put your name on the sheet, they will print you one because they print them as they need them. And so we don't have a supply on hand. So if you would like one, I think the, the price was $10. Or, yeah, and, uh, and uh, just sign up on the sheet. You can pay later and that would be fine. Amen. On the table outside the office at the back. Amen. Everybody happy? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's take our Bibles together and turn to Genesis chapter 48. We want to just... Um, I hope everybody's relaxed this morning. Oh, a couple are. Uh, I hope everybody's relaxed this morning. Looking forward to what the Lord has. Uh, I have a thought on my heart that's been on my heart for a couple of weeks. Not um, just been pondering it and pondering it. And sometimes uh, when I get to pondering something, everybody's made different. And sometimes when I get to pondering something, uh, uh, then it just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And I believe that's just the way God is. He's infinite. He's without limit. And as much as we have faith to believe, that's as much as we can receive. And, and God has something for everybody this morning. Do you believe that? You come expecting that God has something for you? And if you are expecting, you will get what you expect. And let's bow our heads together before we read the Bible. And as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you want to make your requests, if you have something that you want the Lord to speak to you, why don't you just make that known to Him? You can raise your hand. You can hold it in your heart. You could be at home on the internet, wherever you might be. God sees you individually. Heavenly Father, How wonderful you are, Lord. Lord, we come through the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ into your presence, knowing that the blood has atoned for us and that we stand spotless in your sight by virtue of faith in that blood. And Lord, we thank you that when we pray that you do not see us, but you see the blood. And because you see the blood, you see all things paid for and all things perfect and everything in its place. And Lord, we see your word that you have revealed to us that we might lay hold of your promises. And as we come to you this morning, we're desiring that you'll just help us to catch what the Spirit is speaking to the church. For as you said, Lord, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is speaking to the church. And you are speaking this morning, and we want to get ourselves out of the way. And we're desiring, Lord, that you'll be with us and minister to us. And Lord, that you'll be the Word that is the discerner of every thought and intent of every heart. That you 
will direct the ministry of the Word to the need of every individual. Lord, just use it for your glory, O God. And direct, O Lord, the strength of your Word. Direct the power of your Word. Direct the the infinite supernatural measure of this Word that came from heaven. Though it comes through the lips of a mortal man, but if it originated in the mind of God, it still has the same supernatural power that it had when it was in you. And Lord, may it be released upon our lives this morning to cause us to take a step higher in Jesus Christ this morning. We're desiring it, Lord, for your glory. And we're sending our prayers with those that are away, the ministry that is ministering in other countries. And Lord, we pray for strength for every individual. Lord, it's a labor. And may their labors be uh, be strengthened. May they be strengthened in their labors by you, Father. We ask your blessing now upon the reading of the word and the hearing of it for your glory as we ask you to lock our thoughts together, Lord. Let us be in one mind and one accord that you might have your way, we pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 48. And we'll start at verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And one told Jacob and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself and sat upon the bed. And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And said unto me, now he's reciting the covenant that he has with God. And he said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee, and I will make of thee a multitude of people, and will give thee this land, give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. And now thy two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt, before I came unto thee into Egypt, are mine, as Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. And thy issue, which thou begettest after them, shall be thine, and shall be called after the name of their brethren in their inheritance. And as for me, when I came from Padan, Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan in the way. Now he's telling Joseph of his mother. And he says, When yet there was but a little way to come unto Ephrath, and I buried her there in the way of Ephrath, the same as Bethlehem. And Israel beheld Joseph's sons and said, Who are these? And I want to take that as my title, Who are these? And Joseph said unto his father, These are my sons whom God has given me in this place. And he said, Bring them, I pray thee, unto me, and I will bless them. Amen. The Lord had his blessing to the word. You may be seated. Now we know that Joseph was a perfect type of the Lord Jesus Christ. There were so many parallel uh, things that happened in his life in comparison to Christ as, as the Old Testament lives were shadows and types of the greater that was to come. And Joseph in particular, being a type of Christ like our Lord Jesus, he was sold by his brethren into slavery. He was thrown into the pit and counted as dead. And he was in prison for a couple of years and after he ascended out of prison uh, 
to the right hand of Pharaoh with all power and authority in Egypt, like the Lord Jesus Christ who was sold by Judas, and how that he was cast down into hell, descended into hell, and preached unto the souls that were lost, and afterwards ascended up and rose up in a resurrection, and then ascended into heaven and sat at the right hand of the majesty on high. Amen? And all power and authority was given into his name. But I want to zero in on this one aspect of the life of Joseph that like the Lord Jesus Christ, Joseph took to him a Gentile wife. And in that marriage came children. And those children were of his lineage, but were drawn into the lineage of his father, despite the fact that he had had a Gentile wife. Now Jacob was coming to his father at the time that he would bless his children. He knew that Jacob or Israel was coming to the end of his life. And and, uh, this was not an insignificant event. This was now a time when the covenant that God had spoken to Jacob would be rehearsed to his children. And in the following chapter, he he would particularly bless his children individually. But Joseph himself being a prophet, he knew the significance of of this event. And as soon as his father became sick, he immediately took Manasseh and Ephraim and immediately goes to his father because now he knows this is a time that is very significant. And it was significant to Jacob because it was at the time that Isaac drew, grew old that he began to maneuver into a place where he could receive the blessing. All right. And so, so these are events that were taking place that were very significant in the Old Testament covenant and particularly the covenant that God made to Abraham that was passed down to Isaac, that was passed down to Jacob, which became Israel and was passed on into the nation of Israel. So now when Joseph comes to see his dying dad, he brings his sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Why bring your sons? It was God's will that he do that. And, and Jacob begins to speak about his sons without referring directly to his sons. And he says, your sons that God gave you here, Manasseh and Ephraim, they're mine. I claim them as part and the, my ten children will become twelve children and they'll be the twelve tribes of Israel. And, and so he, he claims these sons as his own. And then he speaks to Joseph about his mother. And then he turns to Joseph and maybe for the first time because his eyes were dim. He said, and who are these? So now it's up to Joseph to respond. These are my children that I have begotten through a Gentile wife. These are Manasseh and Ephraim. And, and, and he brings them to his father and and he brings and he's very correct in the way that he brings it he brings the oldest towards his father's right hand and his youngest towards his father's left hand that his father could just reach out and bless the children but he says uh but the scripture records as as Jacob goes to bless them he crosses his hands which is significant to Jacob because 
The younger would receive the blessing of the older because Jacob was the younger that received the blessing of the older. And so now Jacob is is doing something that he's the recipient of. Now he's carrying it out. But in that, Brother Branham says, he's signifying something more important. He's, he's, He's now forming a cross. Showing that in the cross, the blessing that should have been on the Jews would come on the Gentiles. And that the younger will be more blessed than the older. The Jews unto whom pertain the covenants, unto whom pertained adoption, unto whom pertained the blessings, unto whom pertained all these things, these blessings would fall upon the Gentiles. And so now we've come down to the end of the Gentile age. And I, I would make a statement this morning. As we come now to the final culmination of God's redemptive purpose, I ask you the question, who are these? Who are these that have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb? Who are these that Christ now has come to gather in a rapture and to take up to glory? Who are they but his brethren, we could say? Who are they but his offspring that he has begotten by a Gentile wife? Who are they but his Gentile wife themselves? And so we see that, that now we've come to the culmination of that hour where the answer is being given, who are these? The question has been down through the church ages, if I could say that. Who are these? Who is it that Jesus has, has brought into existence down through the church ages? It was hidden, but in the last days, the mysteries would be revealed. But in the last days, the Lamb would go and take the book and would loose the seals to answer the question, Who are these? They are the attributes of God. They are the sons of God. They are the mighty ones that God has spoken of. They are the people that God said in the last days would know their God and do exploits. They would come to that revelation. We would come to that revelation in this hour. But I want to I wanna just linger on this for a little while if you don't mind. And, and let, me just, let me just ponder this thought. I'll go back now. 2,000 years ago. Uh, I've taken you there. I'll leave that, that thought in your mind. Because if you can see who these are. You can see that. They will never be defeated. The devil hasn't got a chance. Now Jesus came riding into Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. At the end of his ministry, just a couple of weeks from the end of his ministry, earthly ministry, to fulfill the very type, anti-type, to fulfill the type of what Jacob did back there in closing, crossing his arms. The blessing now is going to cross to the Gentiles. The Jews are going to reject him. They're going to cry out, let his blood be on us and our children. They're going to reject the very promise of God, but yet the blessing will not be stopped. It will go to the Gentiles. And the Bible records in Genesis 21 as he rides into the city before he's sold out. But as he rides in, it says the multitudes went before and followed. 
cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now even while they're crying out and, and, and worshiping, and lifting up his name. And you can trace that back to the Psalms. And as they're, they're, they're lifting up with Hosanna's Jesus Christ. And calling him the son of David. The very words that they're saying in their worship signify that they don't recognize what is happening. Because they're calling him son of David. Which is to say we believe this is the one that is the king. We believe he's the son of David. We believe he will take the throne, but that's not why he went there. He went there to be the sacrifice. And so as he, as they cry out, and, and, and when he was coming to Jerusalem, this, it says all the city was moved saying, who is this? Who is this? And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. So they're asking the question, who is this? And it's a good question because they don't really understand. Now, I know you're just kind of hanging, wondering where I'm going with this. But I, I, I'm just, it's not terribly deep, but there will be some deep parts this morning. But I want you to, to just catch this now. Even as we sang the, the opening song, Open my eyes that I may see. Open my ears that I may hear. Alright. Now. When God does something. God does what he will do. It's not man that does it. God uses men. God anoints men. God sends his word to men. God sends it to, to be carried out. By human beings. But yet in the midst of all that. It's God, actually God in His sovereignty because He has a redemptive plan down through the ages that He will carry out and nobody's going to stop Him. Amen. The devil can't stop Him. Amen. The devil was made for a purpose. And the purpose really, if you boil it down, is to mold your character and mold my character. Amen. That's really all the devil's there for and he's good at it. Amen, Brother Jerry? You spoke of it. It's a molding. It's a growing. It's something that takes place for a reason. Because there's certain things that God wants to bring out of us. So God has this plan, this, this redemptive purpose that he's carrying out. And it's up to us now to see, to catch, to understand young people. If I could just say it this way. I'm really jumping to the end of my thought, but I, I say it now so that I, you, you're with me. We sometimes ask ourselves, why me? Who am I? Why did God bring me to the Word? Those of you that came to the message of the hour from the outside world. Alright? You might ask yourself that question, why me? The rest of my family doesn't believe. But I believe. And why is it I can see it and I can't get away from it? But they can't see it. Why is it that, that I was born into the, this message? Many of you young people were, or your parents came to the message, or even sometimes your grandparents came to the light of this message, and, and you asked yourself, why was I born in such a family? Why, what is the purpose behind it all? It's because you are a particular fulfillment of the Scripture of God's redemptive purpose. You can't get away from it any more than Jesus could get away from it. 
He went to the garden of Gethsemane and said, Father, if thou be willing, let this cup pass from me. But, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That's the place where he takes every son and daughter of God. He takes you to the place where you realize uh, there's a purpose in life, and it may not be easy, but I want to say, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Whatever you have for me, let me see your will. Let me see you appointing my footsteps. Let it be you in my life, Lord. Not what I will, but what you will. Are you with me this morning? And, and it's, it even takes ministry. Because there were the Pharisees. You know, they, they had the word. You know, they could take the Bible and Isaiah. And they could say, a virgin shall conceive. And there was the one that the virgin conceived and they were missing him. They could take the Psalms of David who cried out, uh, my hands and my feet, they, they pierce my hands and my feet, my bones, they stare at me. You know, they, they, they pierce my side and all of the scriptures as David crying out in the spirit of the Lord of the crucifixion and they could read those and even sing those and miss it when it was happening right in front of them. They could see it in the written word, but they couldn't see the written word manifested. And so they, they, they asked the question, who is this man that is creating such a stir? Actually, he is the stir. It would take men that Jesus molded and to cause them to recognize their day and its message. Maybe you recognized when God set you free. I remember when I first heard this message and how that the word quickened me. And it caused something, it caused a reaction in my life. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And the truth came by my way and it changed my life. And then I began to hear more word, and it changed my life more. But it probably wasn't until a couple of years later that I really caught the significance, the heaviness of that God had actually sent a a singular message to the last days to get a bride ready for the rapture. And in that message, he, he used a man who was a prophet. And as God began to open my eyes, why it had to be a prophet. And up till that time, it had been a couple of years, I'd been feeding on the message and, and devouring ser- sermon after sermon, message after message, and just enjoying it was even in fellowship here. It wasn't actually till I moved to, Grant, to Dawson Creek. And I was actually, in the first few weeks in Dawson Creek, I'd taken a whole bunch of message books with me. And I'm sitting in the hotel room because I had just got transferred there with the bank. And I had, in my hotel room, I was staying there for about three weeks while I found a place for my family. And in the, in, the, uh, in the Dawson Inn, the George Dawson Inn, you know that, you know that place, I know. And, and there I am in my room, and I've got my message books all lined up on, on, the, on the dresser. And I, I'm home now after work, and I'm, I open the book, and I, I'm studying it, and I, I'm reading it, and I'm listening, and, and I'm getting into the Word. Listen, I'm only 23 
24 years old. I'm 24 years old. That's all. And I, I'm, I'm there and I'm studying the word and I'm in the evening time. And we didn't have cell phones. I couldn't text my wife. We didn't have FaceTime. Hello? Listen, I'm thankful for it now. I go overseas so I can FaceTime my family. I'm very thankful for it now. We didn't have WhatsApp. We didn't have any of those things. And, and, uh, and so I had lots of time in the evening to get into the Word. I'll let that one sink in a little bit. And as I was getting into the Word, I just, it just began to, to really somehow... I don't even know what message it was I was in. I was just, it would just begin to sink upon my life. God has done something very significant in this hour. And I'm seeing it. Hallelujah. Now that brought on my heart an awesome responsibility. And I had already been partakers of it for a couple years. My, we had enjoyed it. God had set us free. Myself, my wife, uh, from, from many worldly things, from, uh, from the desires of the things of the world. There was a supernatural transformation. There was a born-again experience. There was, there was a direct commission from God in my life. And, and many different things had taken place. But yet in the midst of all of that, now I'm beginning to realize this is a very significant hour that I'm living in. And I'm beginning to see who this is. Not what this message is, who this message is. I'm beginning to catch exactly who is revealing himself through a prophet in the opening of the word. I'm beginning to see not just a sign, but to hear the voice behind the sign. Because the, behind every sign follows a voice. You know, ah, I just decided just to let myself go whatever the way the Lord leads this morning. And, and, you know, sometimes we can, uh, as ministers, we can really look at the fantastic meetings that took place in the last century. And they were fantastic, phenomenal revival. Like I talked about revival in Uganda. It's spontaneous. And, and, and in, in, uh, in the United States, under Brother Branham's ministry, how that revival spread and the signs that attracted the people's attention. But we can miss the purpose. If you don't see it, there was many that went through the meetings and didn't see it. And they went on into Pentecost and what they, all they tried to do was recreate the meetings. Recreate the sign. Have some kind of gift. Have some kind of discernment. Have some kind of supernatural. But they didn't realize God didn't send those things just to send those things. But God sent the supernatural to point the people that this was a sign pointing to a voice that he was going to send in this age to get the people ready for a rapture. Because it's the word that prepares you. Not the signs that prepare you. The signs only, only point to a place. And when you, re, when you arrive at the place, you don't need the sign. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying we don't need the supernatural. I was talking to a brother this week. It really inspired him. And I said, I said, you know, in the book of Esther, there's three different types of ministries. I said, the book of Esther, which doesn't even describe God. But yet in there's shadows and types. And, and there, there's, first of all, the women, which represents church. And in the women, there's, they're first of all virgins. 
And they have to go through sanctification. So that there's odors and, and baths and ointments and different things that they have to have. And they have a chamberlain that ministers these things. A eunuch that ministers to them these things. But they're only virgins and this is to prepare them to meet the king. But that's one type of ministry. But, there's, but then after they meet the king, if they're not the wife, they become concubines. Is that right? And so they're put not back into the house of the virgins now. They're put into the house of the concubines. They're put under a different ministry. And the only way to keep these women, churches, happy is to send gifts. Is give them lots of gifts because they don't have access to the king. But rather he sends gifts to take care of them. He sends lots of things to bless them. But they're not his wife. But they have a certain ministry. But one of them in the book of Esther, which was Esther, was chosen to be his wife. And she was taken not to the house of the concubines. She was taken into the king's house. And she had another chamberlain. And this chamberlain ministered to her anything that she had need of. Which, as you read the book of Esther, anything was hers up to half the kingdom. You need supernatural? It's yours. You need healing? It's yours. You need wisdom? It's yours. You need something from God? It's yours. Because you're his wife. Amen. You don't have to sit back and just say, oh, God, send me a gift. No, you got more than gifts. Hallelujah. You're his wife. To bring you to the revelation of who you are. Anything is yours. Ask anything in my name and you shall have it. That's his wife. So Israel, the pillar of fire, led them to the land. Pointing the way in the wilderness. But in the land, the pillar of fire was not leading them through the land. No, that sign was to point them to a certain direction and a certain fulfillment. It was their own revelation that led them through. I'll leave that there. So Brother Branham says it this way. He says, when the air charged and the coming of the Lord Jesus to Jerusalem had charged the air with expectation. It looks like the teachers ought to know what was going to take place. I want to dwell on this now. This is an event. It's not just a meeting. It's not just, um, oh, God is God and He's blessing us. It's more than a blessing. Something's taking place here. And he says, teachers ought to know what was going to take place. It looked like the high priest would have known it. It looked like all the other priests would have known it. But they didn't understand who Jesus was. Because none of them could recognize him by their schools. What seminary did he come out of? What school of theology did he come from? Was he Calvinist or Armenian? They asked Brother Branham that same question. Are you Calvinist or are you Armenian? He said, well, as long as Calvin is in the Word, I'm with Calvin. As long as Arminius is in the Word, I'm with Arminius. It's not not schools of theology. It's an event that God sends in every age. It's a message that God sends to His church. All right. Now... I'm just taking this methodically because I want to get to a point here. Because it wasn't that they really had to do anything. 
God was doing it. But they had to recognize what God was doing. Blessed are your eyes for they see. Something inside me wants to shout hallelujah right now. Blessed are your ears for they hear. Why you? Why did your eyes come open? Because there's an event taking place. And you're the ones that it's about. Their ability to identify had come from their own education and so they really couldn't identify what was taking place. Real spiritual discernment only comes as a supernatural revelation from the Lord. It even says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 that by faith, Jacob blessed Manasseh and Ephraim. So by revelation, Jacob crossed his hands. By revelation, he did what he did because faith is a revelation. And so as he, as he took this, this reality and now we come to the time of Jesus and many weren't recognizing what could happen. But there even as a baby, as Mary brought him into the temple, there was a man there by the name of Simeon who walked into the temple under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to whom it was revealed to whom it was revealed, you will not die until you see the Messiah. Hallelujah. What an expectation to have every day. It didn't happen one day. It didn't happen the next day. We don't even know how long ago it was the Lord had revealed to him. But by now he was an old man. But it was revealed to him, it doesn't matter how old I get, because I'm not dying till the Messiah comes. Hallelujah. So he comes into the temple and there's Mary with the child and he takes the baby up in his arms and he lifts his eyes. Oh, finally, finally my release has come. Finally, I can leave this place. Lord, let your servant depart in peace for my eyes have seen your glory. I've now seen the promise of God. I've now seen the Messiah. He didn't have to go to school. He didn't have to go to Sunday school. He didn't have to go to class and say, teach it to me again. No, he saw it. He saw the manifestation of the promise. It had been revealed to him and now it was there. Hallelujah. What an hour. Oh, how he must have blessed God. And he did bless God. Read the scripture. It's in Luke chapter 2 if you want. But he says, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation. What a blessed time for Simeon. All of the combination of his life. Everything that he lived for. He didn't say, Lord, let me now depart in peace because uh, I have a nice family. Or let me now depart in peace because I've made everything ready. Or Lord, let me now depart in peace because everything's in order or let me now depart in peace because I got everything fixed up and everything's good and my sons know what they're doing and my daughter-in-laws and my grandchildren and great-grandchildren and everything's in order and they got houses and lands and cars and whatever else no he said Lord let me depart in peace because now I've seen the fulfillment of your word hallelujah my purpose in life is therefore fulfilled glory to God Hallelujah. Oh, Lord, endue us with this kind of a spirit. Lord, let us see the fulfillment of your word in this hour. Now, listen, when Jesus was there, you can put the slideshow up now if you would. When Jesus was there, he began to use a term. And I want to just go through this, if you wouldn't mind, just for a moment. 
that they didn't understand and they were not used to. And in John chapter 12, the people asked him this question. He says, we've heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. How sayest thou, the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? What a question. And Jesus said unto them, now remember as he goes into Jerusalem, they're calling him Son of David. But he says, the Son of Man must be lifted up. All right, and then they're saying, who, we don't understand the terminology here. Who is the Son of Man? And Jesus said unto them, little, yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while you have light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While you have light, believe in the light, Amen. that you may be the children of light. These things spake Jesus and departed and did hide himself from them. Now, he, be, he begins to use this term, son of man. And they say, well, who is the son of man now? Now, we know that the Lord Jesus comes in three names. Son of God, son of man, son of David. Is that right? Son of man is prophet. We know that in the general sense. And, and Son of God is the, is the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. And Son of David is in rulership over the Jews, the king that they wanted to have amongst them. And, and I'm not going into the teaching of those titles, but, but we could say Son of Man, Prophet, Son of God, Priest, Son of David, King, Prophet, Priest, and King. And so now, Brother Branham amazingly has asked basically the same question, 1964. And some say, Brother Branham is the Son of Man. I thought the pillar of fire was the Son of Man. Am I mistaken? So here's the question. Who is the Son of Man? And, and who is this Son of Man that you're speaking about? And, and Luke 17 says, even so shall it be in the revealing of the Son of Man. So the Son of Man is revealed. I think Brother Bisco spoke on that about six weeks ago. And, and in a certain aspect of it, I'm not trying to add anything, but just my heart's been on this. Who is this? And who are these? And, and, uh, and so Brother Branham says, well, that's a very good question. A good question. Very good. But I am not the Son of Man, but a Son of Man. All right? So he takes the term of Ezekiel, God calling him Son of Man. And Son of Man referring to the prophetic office. But yet there's a the Son of Man. And he says, I'm not the Son of Man, but a Son of Man. And then he says, there's quite a difference. And as I go through, this is a very long quote, and you can, it's in questions and answers. And as I go through it, I'm going to show you certain aspects, although I'll read maybe more of the quote here because it's quite long. He says, there's quite a difference. Jesus Christ was the Son of Man, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Son of David. It's interesting that he puts it that way because he came first as the Son of Man. Then in the church ages, he's the son of God. And then now he turns back in the last days to the son of man, just before he becomes the son of David, turning to the Jews. All right, so he, he, he puts it all together for us in the correct way. 
And then he goes on, he says, now the reason the question was probably was asked, this person said, is because they regard me as a seer. And he says, I got a question here blasting me on that. He says, I don't claim to be his prophet. Many times I've said it when I don't think I said it. I catch myself on the tape. But then he goes into how a prophet in the English term means a preacher, and anybody knows that from a dictionary. She's trying to kind of make it easy for the people to swallow. A prophet is a preacher under the English dictionary, but under the Hebrew, a prophet is a seer. He says, one who foresees things and foretells things, but under the English, a prophet is a preacher, of course. And so uh, he says, I don't want to call myself anything but your brother. I'm your brother. And you just regard me as Brother Bill or Brother Branham. Whatever you want to about that. Alright, so now, like anything, you want to divide between the man and the office and the gift. We often say the man and the gift, but I'm going to throw the office in there as well. Because, I'll just speak of the male part of the population, we're men. But in us is a gift. All right? But that gift doesn't necessarily put us in an office. All right? For example, Balaam was a prophet. He was a genuine prophet. But I would not want to follow Balaam. Are you with me? So you have to differentiate the gift from the office. And so Balaam did not have the office that he desired. And so he desired it to by compromising on the word and trying to attain a leadership amongst Moab. And, and that caused all the confusion. All right. So now we have here Brother Branham differentiating himself. He says, you just call me Brother Bill. That's the man. But God also gives him a gift. And I can say he's more gifted than a prophet based on what God told him because he was going to leave his, his ministry as it, as it was happening and go and live out in the wilderness like a prophet. And God told him, but you're more gifted than that. See, a man can actually have more than one kind of gift. All right. Then he was also had an office, and his office was to those who can receive it. He was the seventh messenger to the seventh church age. He was the one who brought the message to this age. All right. So now we 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 just that's a little teaching that wasn't in my notes. There you go. That's as they say for free. It's all for free. Praise the Lord. Now. He says, and now, what was the other question? So he's talking about Brother Bill, and I'm this and that. He says, now what was the other question? He says, I get so wound up in these, I forget what the things were. He says, one of them was, was I the Son of Man? And here it is, the Son of Man, or was the pillar of fire the Son of Man? No. Notice that now. No. I'll interject, the pillar of fire is not the Son of Man. The pillar of fire is the anointing. And then he says, now this may go a little deep. Are you ready for this? Or should we close? (laughs) All right. He says, now this may go a little deep. He says, and he refers to the ministry being able to catch it. He says, now that pillar of fire is the Logos that went out from God. Amen. You with me so far? The Logos, which is actually the attribute in the fullness of God. 
And when God become into a form to where it could be seen, it was the anointing of the great spirit that went forth. It's condescending, coming down. All right, so now he's describing the pillar of fire, the Logos. Now when you study this, if, because we have, someone has taken, people have taken and taken Brother Branham's audible sermons and put them into books or, or text so we can actually read it. So you can actually look at this very closely. I recommend you digest these sentences. Not just gloss over it and say, oh yeah, 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 I believe all that. No, no, just sometimes take it and say, what does that really mean? He says, it's condescending, coming down. God the Father, the Logos that was up over Israel, He was holy, could not bear sin. So now we have a holy God condescending, the Logos, the pillar of fire over Israel. He says He could not bear sin. Therefore, He says there had to be a blood offering right in Eden, right from the fall. Then the Logos become flesh. All right, where is that? John 1. In the beginning was the Word, which is the Logos. The Word was with God. The Word was God. John 1:14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. All right. And so he says, Then the Logos become flesh and dwelt among us. And where this Logos dwelt in a human body, which was the sacrifice. Alright, so every Old Testament sacrifice was pointing to this one sacrifice, a price to be paid once for all sin. To any that will receive it, faith, and that by grace you are saved by your faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. The one sacrifice for all sin. Why? Because it was the Logos that became flesh. Because only when you see it was the Logos that became flesh can you really understand the Godhead. That it wasn't a third person, it was the person becoming flesh. The person becoming down in the Logos. The person taking on a body. The person living in a human body so he could die. And make the provided price so that we could receive redemption. All right. He goes on, he says, when man was made in the image of God... And then God came down in the image of man to redeem man. That brought man and God together. Heavens and earth hugged and kissed each other. Hallelujah. That's a good time. Praise the Lord. Something significant took place. Man was made in the image of God, but now God came down in the image of man. Heaven and earth united. Redemption took place. God and man embraced each other as fatherhood and sonship when the Logos became flesh and dwelled among us. Amen. So he goes on and he says, Jesus said, Jesus said, I came from God, I go to God. Is that right? After his death, burial, and resurrection and ascension, when the body was taken up, set at the right hand of God. I don't mean that God's got a right hand. God's a spirit. But at the right hand means in power and authority of God. That in, the name, that, in that name, everything in heaven is named after it and subject to it. Everything in earth is named after it and subject to it. A name above all names, Jesus Christ. Then he says, now this Logos, that was in him, which was the Spirit of God, the anointing, through the sanctifying grace of the blood, 
brought many sons to God, which is anointed with the same Logos. Amen. All right. So what happened? The life that was in him, the Logos that was in him, when he ascended up on high, he sent back the Spirit when? On the day of Pentecost. That's why the pillar of fire became licks of fire, appearing upon each one, a portion of God anointing sons of God. Now when you bring an anointing on something, it causes it to be what it is. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. When you let rain and the right atmosphere be upon a seed, if it's a, if it's a, a wheat seed, it doesn't come up as cabbage. It's just the anointing brings out what's already in it. And God has attributes upon the earth and He sends His anointing, the Logos, upon them to make them what they are. All right. He says, do you get it? He says... God the Logos separating himself into men. God, not in one person. He's in his church universal. Then Brother Brown says that's the reason Jesus said the works that I do shall you do also greater. He says, but it's, there is more than this shall you do. God was bottled up and confined in one man, Jesus Christ. But now he's bottled and confined in the whole universal church of the living God. Alright. So it's God... Right now, while God is here speaking with our hearts, He says He's in Africa, He's in Asia, He's in Europe, He's in England, where believers are gathered together, there He is in the midst of them. Amen. Amen. So we, we believe that. He says, Then after His death, burial, and resurrection, Paul on his road to Damascus, he was struck down by what? The pillar of fire. So even while there was individual licks of fire on individuals, there was still the pillar of fire. The pillar of fire struck Paul down on the road to Damascus. All right. He says, and Paul says, who are you, Lord? He says, that Jew never would have called him Lord. He says, now that was not the son of man. That was the Logos. All right. Because the question was, we thought the pillar of fire was the son of man. He said, no, the pillar of fire is not the son of man. Well, Brother Tim, pray tell, what is the son of man? Let's just keep reading. He says, now, Brother Branham goes from, now he's describing it in Jesus' day. Now that's where he leaves Jesus' day in this quote here and comes to our day. Okay? He says, now we say this with reverence and love and respect as Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And also in the last days as it was before Lot's time or in Lot's time in Sodom, so shall it be. In, that, in the day that the Son of Man reveals Himself again. Revealing Himself. Those are His words. Then He says, now in this last day, the Logos that was upon Jesus, which He has become from that, back to the pillar of fire again. Alright. He says... And has descended down to the earth. I love this statement, but I hate it. He says, I was going to say something, but I watched the tape. He says, they wouldn't believe it if, if you told them. And he says, it wouldn't make any difference. He says, people wouldn't believe it, but I'll omit that. Don't you hate that when a preacher does that? 
<laughs> I, I like to know what he had to say, but I'm sure he said it at some point without it, uh, without it maybe being drawn attention to. But he says, so he says he has descended down to earth too, and then I'll skip past the paragraph or the, the parenthesis. He says, but has come down for like an investigating judgment goes on. All right. Now, I'm sure that some of you don't have a, an understanding of what that means, investigating judgment. But remember, the scripture he quoted previously was as it was in the days of Lot, as it was in the days of Sodom. Now, what happened in the days of Lot was God came down, Elohim, with two angels. Three angels, three beings appeared. One of them, Abraham said, was Elohim. And he stayed with Abraham, but two other angels went down to Sodom. What for? To see if it was as evil as the cry that he heard. Why? Because the whole earth was covered by a blood veil. Alright, but now there had to be an investigation to go and see if it is as evil as what was told. Now remember, the Bible says that the iniquity of the Gentiles will be full. And that will come into that will usher in the last days and we're here now. And so the Son of Man ministry would come part of the ministry or as he says here it will be like an investigating judgment or the revealing of the Son of Man will produce something in the earth that will investigate the evilness of the earth and see if the earth is indeed ready for judgment. Because as it was in Lot's day, when it was ready for judgment, the fire fell. As it was when Israel was going into the land, they could only go in after the iniquity of the Amorites was full. And so is it now at the end of the age, we've come to the time of the iniquity of the Gentiles being full. All right. I don't want to get preaching on those kind of things because that's not our subject. And he says, he says, now this great pillar of fire that's absolutely identified even by scientific cameras. And he talks about George J. Lacey and how that he uh, examined the photograph and how that was confirmed that light struck the lands and, and, uh, and so on and so forth. He says, then watch the works of it. It among us proves the same Jesus that once lived in Palestine, the same spirit that was upon him, has come up through a body until it comes back to headship again. All right, now this is important. I don't want to lose you here with all of these various thoughts. But here we are now. What's, he says, so in other words, he's saying, what's taking place? What we see, we see the pillar of fire, we see these signs and wonders, we see this supernatural. But what is it signifying? It's signifying that the Holy Spirit, the Logos, that has come through seven church ages, as the church now has come back to its feet and, and put on its strength now, I will restore, saith the Lord. And all that has been eaten off, he says, now it comes back to headship again. All right, so it comes back to a complete body again. It puts the headship in place again. The word in leadership over the body. He says, which he's coming soon to claim the body. He, the word, is the head. He says, the head's coming to the body. You get it? He says, that 
will be the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Son of David, the I Am, the Rose of Sharon, the Lily of the Valley, the Morning Star. In other words, the all in all. The fullness of God's redemptive purpose has now come to completion, producing the Son of Man ministry once again. So then he goes on, right after that he says, I am not he. I am his servant. And the pillar of fire is not he. It's in spirit form, which was upon the Son of Man, and has come now to anoint sons of men. To bring back a ministry just like he said it would be in order for the head and the rest of the body to connect together. Hallelujah. What is the purpose? The purpose of the Son of Man ministry, or I'll say it this way. I'll just leave this quote up here for a moment. What is the Son of Man? It's not Brother Brennan. All right. It's not the Logos. All right. It's not even the anointing. And as we can say, it's not even an individual, but rather the revealing of the Son of Man is the revealing of the head and the body coming together in the fullness of God's redemptive purpose. So shall it be in the revealing of the Son of Man. All right. I had to say all that just to get to my next point, and that's that's all I have there for that quote. Just digest that now. Are you still with me? All right. They were sitting with Jesus in a multitude and they, they, the word came to him about John had been beheaded. And Jesus said, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? What did you go to see? All right. In other words, what was John's ministry all about? We know that Jesus said to, to the, the Pharisees when they asked Jesus a, a question, he says, I'll also ask you a question. He says, now, John's ministry, was it of God or was it of man? In other words, did it come from heaven or was it just John himself as a dynamic individual? And so then they discussed amongst themselves and they said, we can't answer. And Jesus, of course, said, neither will I answer you. Because they knew if, he, if they said it's of man, the people would have blasted them. They'd have lost members of their church. Because the people could recognize it's more significant than just a man. All right. But then if they said it was of God, then Jesus could turn around and say, well, then why didn't you listen to him? We could say the same thing in this age. People can debate, oh, this is a mistake, or that is a mistake, or I don't see it this way, or this really didn't happen that way because there's no evidence of it. Listen, forget all of your discussion. Just answer one question. Was it of God, or was it of man? If it was of man, then it'll come to naught. And I hate to tell you this, there was a thousand people baptized in Uganda just in the last few weeks recognizing that God has done something in this hour. There's people in Ethiopia that called for the ministers to come to their remote village that they had to go on vehicle and and walk for miles to get into the village because a man was raised up from his deathbed and they were Christians. Lutherans and and Orthodox and and different ideas, but they says God has done something here. 
What has taken place? We must hear. So in other words, they're recognizing, they're doing something that is so supernatural. They're recognizing there's been a sign. But what is the voice? Come on. There's been a sign, but what is the voice saying? What is the message that come behind this sign? What is it that these men believe? We must hear them. Hallelujah. Oh, if people in this generation would only be like that. If people in North America, I tell you what, it'd be, I know it's not going to happen, but there'd be revival sweep the nation. If people would just stop and say, wait a minute, God did something. What is this message? And there was John, and, and they knew if we said it was of man, if we said it was of God, then Jesus would say, well then, why didn't you hear him? John didn't come with a discussion of theology. Jesus did not debate with them John's theology. Jesus did not argue with them about different points that they had at odds with John. He just, they didn't, he didn't uh, relate ideas or philosophy because it wasn't ideas, it wasn't philosophy. It was God anointing a man full of the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. It was a supernatural act. And God came down in that individual. Why? He was to appoint and introduce the Messiah. And when the Messiah was introduced, he went off the scene. Because now the sign had brought them to the destination. And the destination was on display. And yet when the destination, Jesus Christ, as Brother Mike Andes, where is he this morning? As he preached at camp, he says, the answer is Jesus. That's the answer. It's Him. It's not about this or that or the other thing. It's Him. And John pointed him, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That settled it. It was done. I've got a lot to cover, but I wish I could just stop and preach. Oh, it's Him. Oh, it's just Him. Listen, anything. God did something in this hour. It wasn't William Branham. It was Him. God does something in this church. It wasn't this church. It wasn't a pastor. It was Him. It wasn't a man. It's Him. Why is this church even here? Because it's Him. Why is, why is the missions working the way it's working? And why are things happening overseas? It's not a man. It's Him. God does what He wants to do. He chooses who He wants to choose. That's why somebody comes in and says, this is my turf and this is my area and you can't touch this because I'm the one responsible. Listen, it's not a man, it's God. Hallelujah. So Jesus asked them, he says, what did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? What did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? I could just see the believers going, Amen. Preach it. He's a prophet. And Jesus says, Yea, I say unto you, more than a prophet. Hallelujah. He wasn't just a prophet. He was more than a prophet. As it was in the first coming of Christ, so is it in this day. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, and he which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, Now he's asked them, Who'd you go to see? I tell you, this is what you ought to have seen. 
Among them that are born of a woman, there is not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Praise the Lord. He didn't say that about me. John must have been quite a man. But then he said, notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. My. Praise the Lord, Brother Peter. If you're the least in the kingdom of heaven, that puts you into a fairly esteemed place by the Lord Jesus Christ. Who are these? Who are these that are sitting in these chairs? Who are these that are out on the internet? Who are these that are gathered around the world under no denomination, no headquarters, no place that can say, I did it. No man that can say, it was my ministry. But rather, God did something significant in this generation. Boaz looked at, at uh, Ruth and said, who is this damsel? Hallelujah. If only he knew. You know, the servants, they said, oh, she's just a Moabitess. She came back with Naomi and her husband died. Her, Naomi's husband died. And, and that maybe put a little twinge in Boaz because that's his family. And, and so he's, oh, okay. You know, she was married to Naomi's son and, and I knew they died and, and all of that. But it was more, I say, more than a widow. This was the one who would be a type of the Gentile bride. This would be the one who would marry the Lord of the harvest. This would be a type of, the, uh, of being under a Jewish woman, Naomi, but yet as a Gentile would become the wife and would bring forth the offspring that would become David and the lineage of the Messiah. Oh, it's much more than just a woman. Much more than just a widow. Hallelujah. When David looked at, when Saul looked at David, as he, after he went out forth against Goliath, and Saul turns to Abner, and he, and he says, Abner, whose son is this youth? Who is this boy? And he, he, he's just kind of marveling. And Abner says, I don't have a clue. Or he says it in their terms, As thy soul liveth, O king, I cannot tell. Because he's a king. You've got to talk respectfully to the king. He didn't just stand and say, Beats me. I said, I don't know. And, and, Saul, he, and Saul says it again, Inquire thou whose son this stripling is. He comes into the camp. There's thousands of men there. There's Goliath for 40 days making his boast. And this boy comes in with food for his brothers. Comes in with a lunch bucket. And he says, you know, hey, you know, I brought your food. And he happens to hear the boast of the man. But there's something in that boy. There's a predestinated calling. There's a gift laying within him. And he's already been anointed to be the king, but he's not the king, but it's laying in him. And so when he hears the boast of this Goliath, something rises up within him. I'm not going to stand for this. This is just an uncircumcised Philistine. This is just a lying devil. Something within him that says, I don't have to put up with this sickness. Something within him that says, I don't have to put up with this defeat. 
I don't have to put up with the devil. I'm here anointed a daughter or son of God. I've been anointed by the anointing of God to produce the son of man in this hour. To rise up in full possession of the redemption plan of God. We're not just here to be a church. We're here to be the anointed of the Lord. And there was David, the anointed of the Lord. He was more than a mighty warrior. He was the type of the king that was to come. He was the type of the son of David that was to come. He was a type of the great Messiah that was to come. He was a man after God's own heart. There were so many things lying in him that was at that point unrevealed. Who is he? Whose son is he? My, we could go on further. You know, we could talk about Philip and how that the Lord began to speak to the disciples. John 14, he's coming now, in the last two weeks of his ministry. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you'd have known me, you should, all, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. That really struck Peter, struck rather Philip funny. I know him, and I've seen him. And so he can't help himself. He says, Lord, show us the Father. And it suffices us. I know him, and I've seen him. But I'm sure I haven't seen him. I'm sure I don't know him maybe the way I don't understand God the way I ought to understand God. No, (laughs) No, he's right there amongst you. He's right here amongst you. He's revealing himself to you right now. He's in flesh. But when he comes in spirit, he'll be in you. Same chapter. Uh, He won't just be amongst you as a comforter, but he'll be in you as a comforter. He won't just be uh, uh, someone that you can just look at from a distance. But now you look at it from the manifestation in your own life. Who is He? Show us the Father. Amen. Let it produce some effect. There's Philip saying that. Jesus said, Have I been with you so long time with you? And yet thou hast not known me, Philip. Sometimes I I want to preach this to believers. And just say, He's been in you so long, you don't hardly recognize Him anymore. You think it's just you. You think it's just you that does these things. That's why Brother Branham had to stand up in front of the people and say, sometimes people think I'm talking about myself. I'm not talking about myself. It wasn't, it's not me that does these things. It's him that does them. I just happen to be there when he does it. Amen. Amen. I got no, nothing to glory and nothing in myself. I said, it doesn't matter how many healings have taken place. It doesn't matter how many have been raised from the dead. It doesn't matter how much supernatural has taken place. It wasn't me that did it. It was him that did it. It wasn't me down on the Ohio River. It was him that was there. That said, as John the Baptist forerun the first coming of Christ, so shall your ministry forerun the second coming of Christ. This is hard for people to swallow, but I want to take it from beyond Brother Branham because he's saying it's not just an individual. I am not he. But he, the Son of Man, has come to unite the head and the body, and that produces the Son of Man right in the church. It's you and you and you. Who are these? They're the Son of Man revealed in the last days. Oh, 
I, I've been saved. I've, been, I've had the Holy Ghost for so long. Brother Tim has changed my life. And life goes on and this takes place. And, and lo and behold, uh, you know, something supernatural takes place here. And, and, and down the road, I have another trial. And God comes on the scene there. And I go through something else. And God comes. I think we heard that this morning, Brother Jerry. And God comes on the scene there. And God comes. What is that? That's not you. That's not Brother Jerry. That's not Tim Dodd. That's not somebody else. That's him. Revealing himself through his attributes. Lord, let it sink in this morning. That's God making himself known. Till the individual knows that wasn't me. That was him. And then when you really understand, because when you really see God, it has to create a reverence. It has to create a humility. It has to create a burden of service that somebody will begin to move out under that and say, Oh, this has been God. God met me at camp or God met me over here or God met me in my room or God met me at the church or God met me when I was walking down the street or God met me in Osuyas or God met me somewhere else or Oliver or whatever it was. God met me. But it was Him. And as God met me there, then it begins something, it begins to pull me into something that is a revealing that I had never considered before. Alright? So there was Philip. Show us the Father. Have I been with you so long? And you don't realize what's happening? The Logos became flesh and stands right in front of you. The Logos became flesh and stood right in front of the disciples. And there's Philip standing there. Stand up, brother. Victor, stand up. He's standing there. There's the Lord Jesus standing right in front of him. And he's looking at him and said, show us the Father. There's the Logos embodied. The fullness of God dwelling bodily in a tabernacle. And he says, you've seen the Father. And he's looking at him, looking in his eyes. Uh, Lord, if you show us the Father, that, that would be sufficient. That would suffice us. What a statement. Thank you. Logos is in you too. And so Jesus says, what do you think you're looking at? When you see God move in this life and that life, I have to go to a quote here. Brother Brown says in the message, Who is this? He says, Who is this woman? Ain't that the woman I used to see here on the street? Yes. What's the matter with her? Something happened. He says, Isn't this the man that used to smoke cigars? He says, But something happened. Isn't this the man that used to drink? But something happened. Isn't this the man and the woman that used to curse and go to nightclubs? But they don't do it no more. Who is this? It's the Holy Spirit. It's the person of God living in them. Amen. Isn't this the young man that was going his own way one day? What happened? The Logos came down, his part of the Logos, and took up its place of residence in this tabernacle. Amen. How many, how many of you did the Logos come by your way at camp? Raise your hand. 
Raise your hand. It was the Logos that came by your way. Because you're his tabernacle. You're the one that he chooses. What is this? Who is the Father? It's the one that dwells in me. God revealing himself, bringing the church to the fullness of the word in the last days to reveal this is what the Son of Man is all about. As the word was made flesh in that day, the word is made flesh also in this day. It was the fullness of the word in that day. And the fullness of the word would have to be revealed in this day to bring again the fullness of the word bodily in flesh. Not in one tabernacle, but in a many-membered body. This isn't deep saints, but it is challenging. Blind man. Praise the Lord. Don't be a blind man. Sometimes we, we come to church and God changes us. and Like the blind man Jesus took. And he made. He spit on the ground. Real hygienic. Just spit on the ground. Made some mud. You know God spitting on the ground. Praise the Lord. Give me some of that spit. Sorry if that offends you. You know. But praise the Lord. I, I just want to get down there. Lord spit on me. You know. And he spit on the ground. He made some mud out of it and he stuck it in his eyes. And he said, now go wash in the pool of Siloam. So he didn't have a clue who Jesus was. He just heard his voice. And so he's, he's, he's stumbling down. Okay, I got to get to the pool and got to wash these eyes. And, and so he's going down. So maybe somebody leads him. He gets down to the water and he, oh, praise the Lord. He didn't have glasses. And he splashes himself and washes the water. And he opens his eyes. Hallelujah. The first thing he sees is himself. Hallelujah. You're now looking at a tabernacle of God. You're now looking at the one that God supernaturally chose to visit. Do you ever think about, your, think about it yourself? How God in the ministry of Christ Jesus came to individuals? It wasn't a nationwide move. It wasn't a worldwide move. It was an individual here, an individual there. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, individuals that come to him and touched him and, 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 and were moved and had faith and washed his feet. And at the woman at the well and the woman caught in adultery. Individuals, individuals, individuals. He's still that way. He still comes to individuals. God revealing himself to you personally. And so the man that washed his, his eyes, he sees himself. And he realizes, I don't even know who this man was. And of course, he goes through the whole inquisition. As they asked him, you know, who is this man? We think he's a sinner, all these kind of things. And <laughs> praise the Lord. They had all kinds of questions about the message. <laughs> oh, we think this man was a sinner because he does this. We think he's off. He's off the word. We don't believe what he says. All these kind of things. And finally, the man says, you know what? Here's a marvelous thing. Never before has it been known that a man that was born blind was healed. And you're telling me this man's of the devil? He says, I'll tell you what, you guys don't know what you're talking about. 
all their religious ideas and religious teaching and theology and everything else. But he had met God. And he recognized God had come by his way in a tabernacle. And as he went about, then that tabernacle come back to him. Oh, aren't you glad? Jesus doesn't leave you alone. And he come back his way. He says, now, he says, would you, would you, uh, uh, and I think I have the scripture here as he begins to, he found him and he said, do you believe on the Son of God? Dost thou believe on the Son of God? He gives him another term here and he, and he answers and says, who is he, Lord, that I might believe on him? And Jesus said, thou hast both seen him, has seen him. Now he had never seen him with his own eyes, but he's seen him with something else. Thou hast both seen him, you recognized him, I could tell by what you said to the Pharisees, you have seen him, and it is he that talketh with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. Hallelujah. And he worshipped him. Why? Because something had happened. His eyes had come open to what God was doing in his day. Amen. The blind Pharisees couldn't see anything. The religious ones couldn't see anything. I don't see nothing in that. That doesn't, that doesn't move me. That doesn't touch me. But he saw it. He saw it when he was blind. And he saw it when his eyes come open. Glory. Because he was an attribute of God that was manifesting the Son of Man in that day. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. He said, so we have to realize as I bring this to a close, we have come to that relationship with him. Well, you know, who was, you could go through the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and say, who were these people? Who was Enoch? Who was Abel? Who by faith offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice? Who was Moses? Who was Abraham? Who was Sarah? Who was Jacob? Israel? Who was Joseph? Who were these great men of God? David. He says time would fail to tell of Barak and Jephthah and Samson and all of these different ones. Who were they? They were weak human beings that recognized God in their day. They weren't giants. I'm sure Joshua, when he, when he stood out in the, in the promised land and in the heat of the battle, said, Sun stand still and moon hang there over Agilon. I'm sure he thought afterwards, what did I just say? What was that? That was the anointing on him. That was something causing him to say that. Something moved upon his life. And he was a son of God, put his shoulders back and made the sun stand still that they might win the battle. I'm sure many was, uh, was I, I love Samson just because I saw a little clip. They made a movie about Samson. I saw a little clip of it on the internet. Didn't see the movie. But I saw this little clip. And in the little clip, they had Samson. They always dress him up. Hollywood always dresses him up like some big handsome man. He wasn't. He was a little guy with seven locks of hair. But when the anointing of the Lord came on him, look out. And I saw this little clip. You excuse me for using this as an example. But the anointing of the Lord come on him. He's trapped in the wilderness. All there is is a jawbone there. And these thousand Philistines are coming after him. And he gets anointed. He gets anointed. He's a weak human being, but he gets anointed. 
He's a called of God, but he gets anointed. Who are you? You're the one that the anointing came to produce the Son of Man. And Samson got anointed and he picks up the, the jawbone of the mule and he starts smiting down the Philistines. And they, of course, Hollywood special effects, they got bodies flying everywhere. That puts visual effects to the story, you know. Bodies flying out, soldiers flying that way, and he's just slaying them left and right. And finally, the last one falls, and Samson is standing there with the jawbone. And he cries out. And I thought, good for you. He cries out. He says, if you wanted a fight, you should have brought more men. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Devil, if you wanted a fight, you should have brought more devils. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Why? Because we're anointed to overcome in this hour. I've had this trial and that 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 trial. Devil, if you really want to fight, bring on. Hallelujah. Yes, sometimes we feel like nothing because we are nothing. Sometimes we feel like ourselves. Sometimes we feel like quitting. Come on. We all say amen to that. Sometimes we just feel like giving up. Brother Branham felt like giving up. Lost his wife, lost his daughter. Says, I'm ready to give up. The devil come around. Says, I know how to get him now. I'll make him feel sorry for himself. Says, you lost your wife, you lost your daughter. And he wouldn't even answer your prayer. Says, after all you've done for God... He says, you prayed for the sick. You've seen people healed. You, you, all these kinds of things. He says, you've, you've given yourself. People call you a fanatic. People say you've lost your mind because of what you've done for him. Brother Ryan said, of course, he couldn't tell me he didn't exist because I already met him. He says, but, he says, but he doesn't love you. So then he comes down that road. He says, he doesn't love you. And he says, so he won't even answer your prayer. So now, there, Brother Branham, in the weakness of the moment, and we are weak human beings, you know the story. He says, you know what? If that's the way God thinks about me, he doesn't say it, but he thinks it. He says, maybe I just won't serve him. That's exactly what the devil wanted. He says, in the weakness of the moment, but then something down on the inside of the inside. That fountain that flows from within, that river of life that can never be quenched, begin to flow again. And that word begin to rise up in that prophet of God, that little man. He says, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. The anchor holds, though the ship is tattered. The anchor holds, though the sails are torn. The anchor holds, no matter what you're going through. You might say, my ship, Brother Tim, you should see what kind of shape my ship is in. I'm not looking at your ship, I'm looking at the anchor. The anchor is invincible. It holds, it's beyond the veil. And it's anchored in Jesus Christ. And no matter what happens and comes your way, the devil cannot blow you off course because the anchor holds. You say, there's nothing left to this ship. It's all battered and beaten. It's going to turn over. It's going to fall apart. Don't worry. The anchor's holding you. You don't have to hold the anchor. It's holding you. Hallelujah. Who are these sons of God? 
that the Bible says the earnest expectation of the creature. Looked at the Greek, looked at the diglot of the scripture. It says, waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. The Amplified says it one way. It says, for even the whole creation, all nature waits expectantly and longs earnestly. It's the same translation in a lot of different translations. That's why I'm using it. Longs earnestly for God's sons to be made known. Who are these? Waits for the revealing, the disclosing of their sonship. I got to take my coat off in the last few minutes here. Who are these? The, the Greek interlinear says, it waits for the unveiling of the sons of God. Hallelujah. You've heard the unveiling of God. But the unveiling of God came to bring the unveiling of the sons of God. Hallelujah. All of creation has been waiting for the revelation. Manifestation. Apocalypsis. It's not manifestation like coming into existence. It's manifestation as in being manifestly made known. All of creation was waiting for this hour till God reveals the fullness of His purpose. And in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when He shall begin to sound, the mystery of God shall be made known as He has revealed to His servants, the prophets. Why? Because all of creation has been waiting for this hour. Who are we? The same as every son of God. That went before us. Even Jesus Christ, the Bible says, was crucified in weakness. As he went to the cross. It says, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world. Who are these? They're weak. The weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. Why? That no flesh should glory in His presence. Amen. All of the Old Testament stories of Moses and, and, and the rod and the parting of the waters and all of those things, but yet it still described Moses as the meekest man of the earth. Why? Because he had a revelation. It's not me. It's Him that did it. I didn't even want to come. When I met Him at the burning bush, I told Him, I can't do it. I told him, I don't have any ability. I told him, I'm really not the one you want. And God says, you're the one I chose. I brought my word to you. And so is it in this hour with the elect of God. So many times we feel that very thing in ourselves where we say, Lord, I'm just weak. Lord, I'm just feeble. Who am I, Lord? I'm not worthy of so great a message. But God would say, I chose you. I chose you because of your weakness that I might display my glory in you. And it's going to be so glorious, I'm going to let bad things happen to you. And you're going to stand because I'll be in you. I'll be with you, even in you, right to the end of the age. I won't leave you alone. But I'll be your anchor as the musicians come. I'll be your anchor that holds within the veil. It 
says, who is this woman? Who is this man? He said, who is it? It's the Holy Spirit, the person of God living in them. It's the Holy Spirit come from God. For what purpose? To prepare a people. Give them a heavenly atmosphere, a desire to come up higher. In another place, and I want to bring it right down home for us now, right here. Right here. It's our musicians are coming. Brother Adam says in the same message, he says, he's in Jeffersonville. All right, so he's, he's in his own church, 1959. He says, who is this that is doing this? Could you dare to say it was your pastor? Never. Could you dare to say man had anything to do into it? Never. It's the Holy Spirit. He says, the Spirit that was on our Lord Jesus and is coming to unite Himself with His church is so close that He's spreading forth His great holy light to redeem and to bring into fellowship a church of the living God for the rapture that's near at hand. Who is it, he says? I can't answer your question. I can't answer for you. But I can answer for myself. And over this sacred desk tonight in the ears of this company, the purchase of the blood of the Lord Jesus, I say this from the bottom of my heart, not because I'm one of you, not because that I'm just somebody different, but one of the redeemed that's washed by the blood. I believe that that same light that hangs in this church tonight, the same one shows by its nature that it's Jesus Christ in the form of the Holy Spirit. This church here, why is it here? We are thankful for a good pastor. We're thankful for a God-sent pastor. We're thankful for the vision of the pastor. But now, quote Brother Branham, he says, could you dare to say it was your pastor? Never. Your pastor can't save you. Your pastor can't give the vision. He can only receive the vision. Your pastor can't produce. Why are you saying this, Brother Tim? If the Lord tarried and... Brother Biscoll, and he took Brother Biscoll off the scene. God forbid. May he be here till the coming of the Lord. But if that happened, I don't want us to be here saying it was him. It was God that did this. It was God that used a man and uses other men. And still today, if it's God in this, God will carry it forward. I hope it's okay to take that liberty this morning to say that. I don't want us to be in doubt or fear or anything and say, well, oh, what is this that has happened? And, and, and is it all, Brother Biscoe? No, Brother Branham says, don't give your pastor. Don't say your pastor did it. Say that the Holy Spirit did it. 
say that God did it. And if God be glorified in it and continues to be glorified in it, then God has a purpose for it. Hallelujah. And he will carry it forward. And may God grant, and Brother Biscoll knows this is the truth because I told him this in person, may God grant that Brother Biscoll is here to the rapture. And if it was on us, he'll be here till the rapture. But not our will, but God's will be done. (laughs) And I'm I'm not preaching anything other than to say, who are these? God brought this together from every walk of life. And the Lord Jesus can stand before the Father and say, say, these are my children that I brought into existence in the midst of Laodicea. And I quickened them by your word that I sent through the mouth of a prophet. That pastors, faithful pastors carried that word and sowed it in their churches and ministered to the people of God. So who are these? I would say, Jacob would say like God would say, they're mine. I take them as my own. Isn't that wonderful? Let's sing that song, To God Be the Glory great things he has done. Let's stand together. Number 599. No, the wrong song. 599, please. Yeah. There we are. Amen. Let's sing it with all of our hearts. To God be the glory, great things he has done. down just a bit. I can't even catch my breath. <laughs> oh, perfect redemption, the purchase of love to every believer, the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes that Transport in Jesus. 
hour and great is the Lord that has opened our eyes to see who are you who are you you're a weak human being that God chose to reflect himself in and that makes you strong so as Paul said therefore I'll glory in my infirmities I'll glory in necessities I'll glory in wants because when I am needy, he's promised to meet all my needs. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for the supernatural of the Lord? Are you glad for what God's done in this age? Are you glad for what God has done in this week? And what God has done in this day? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's bow our heads together. Maybe you're here this morning and as we close in prayer and you have a need, whatever need might be spiritual, it might be natural, it might be physical, it might be financial, there's all kinds of different needs. But you want to just confess your faith to the Lord and say, Lord, I believe you. I believe your promise. Maybe you want to say, Lord, it's me you're speaking to this morning. Maybe out over the internet there's somebody that would say, Lord, touch me. I know Brother Hugh and Sister Sylvia had written in and said, remember us this morning. The devil's really attacking us. I trust, I trust the Lord has spoken to their hearts as they said they'd be streaming to say, Lord, I am that attribute that you came to redeem. I am that one that you made this promise. When you made the promise, it was for me, Lord. Why don't you just hold your need before the Lord this morning as we pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so mindful, O oh God, of your grace to us, Father. We're so thankful of all the things that you have done. So thankful, Father, for your word. Lord, in which you have revealed your promises, your thoughts towards your elect, O oh God, that we might have whatever it is that we have need of. Lord, we hold our needs before you. 
If there's a need of a healing like Brother Hugh and Sister Sylvia this morning, may divine virtue flow from Calvary, O God. You were striped for a reason. You said, by your stripes we are healed. And may that virtue that was loose there come upon their bodies and upon every other body in need of it this morning, Lord. Even now, Father, may the supernatural take place. I pray, Lord, if there be somebody that's discouraged or even depressed this morning, may your word go to them, O God, and lift them out of that trial. And Lord, show them, O God, that they were made to defeat the devil. They were made to rejoice in the word of the Lord. Oh, Father, quicken them, we pray. Every financial need, every natural need, oh, Lord. You know each and every one and what each and every one has need of, Father. We thank you for your promises. And we thank you for the sacrifice of Calvary that paid the price for every redemptive blessing. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we claim them all this morning for the glory of the kingdom of God. We love you, Lord. I pray you take the word this morning and anchor it in your people's hearts. We discussed, Lord, a lot of things. There were particular junctures in the service this morning. Father, where your anointing was very present. It was, and no doubt at those times you were dealing with an individual. And Lord, may they recognize it, Lord. May their eyes come open. And may they see, oh, this is the Father dealing with me. This is Him speaking to me. Lord, I pray for them, Lord. I pray, Lord, that, that scales, as it were, would fall off their eyes this morning. That they would be lifted up into heavenly places, in a heavenly atmosphere, to be prepared for the rapture of the church. Lord, we commit this service to you, asking your blessing upon it and give you the glory for all that was done. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's just sing that chorus before we go. Uh, there is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. It's good to sing about what God has done. But now let's sing to him. Let's just make it personal. Lord, I want you to know you touched my heart. There is none like you. Yes, Lord. No one else can touch my heart like you. I could search for all eternity, Lord, and find there is none like you. God bless you. Brother John Andes will be ministering this evening. We expect a wonderful time in the Lord. Trust you all can make it. Shake hands with one another as you go.
God bless you. The service is dismissed in Jesus' name.